You are listening to Grow a Thriving Practice with Jillian Faldmo. This is Episode 8, Overcoming Challenges in Your Practice. Grow a Thriving Practice, a podcast made for biofield tuning practitioners, offering the resources to enhance your practice, grow your business, and continue your journey of self-discovery. I'm your host, Jillian Faldmo. In this episode, you're going to hear a peer-to-peer conversation that was held on Wednesday, April 7th um, about overcoming challenges as a biofield tuning practitioner. And I just want to thank everyone who participated in this conversation, Elizabeth Gage, Estella Streaker, Bobby Vasquez, Andrea Matei, Lori Rhodes, Iris Sadov, Joyce Tusks, and Andrew McAlrath. Thank you all so much. It's, it was such an enriching conversation. Uh, we talked a lot about letting go of the di- desire to fix, trusting in the process, and also trusting in yourself. Uh, we hold these peer-to-peer conversations regularly, and they're posted on the Biofield Tuning Students and Practitioners Facebook page. So if you're a practitioner, which I hope you are listening to this podcast, join these conversations. Um, And if you aren't on Facebook, go ahead and email me so we can get you in, uh, me at jillianfaldmo.com. All right, enjoy the conversation. So before we begin, I would like to share um, an excerpt from Eileen's new book, Electric Body, Electric Health. Um, In there, in, in the introduction, portion, page 35 in the introduction, Um, she lists five steps to solving any problem. And I remember her mentioning this verbally to me once or twice. And um, I'm so glad that she included it in this book because it is certainly helpful whenever we um, are facing a certain problem or a certain challenge we can use these steps and really practice them. So I'm gonna go ahead and read that. So the first step, identify the problem. Clearly recognize, label, and state to yourself what the problem is. The second step, believe that it's possible to solve the problem. This is where we often get hung up. I'll get someone to identify a problem that they haven't been able to solve. And I'll say, repeat after me, I believe it's possible to solve this problem. When they say that, tension immediately arises in their bodies, revealing all these subconscious places where they don't believe it's possible, which is the biggest reason why they're not solving the problem. You have to get every part of your being on board so that when you say, I believe it's possible to solve this problem, the truth of that statement resonates in your body. The third step, desire it with all your heart. You have to be absolutely determined to see this through and solve the problem. Stay connected to the feeling of that desire and the why behind it. Step four, believe that the resources you need to solve the problem are at hand. Because you believe that those resources are available to you, you are able to locate them. And step five, implement those resources to solve the problem. Then move on to the next problem. So again, that is in the book, Electric Body, Electric Health. Um, And that's page 35 of the introduction. So that's actually Roman numerals. Um, uh, 
I had to look up the number. Don't make fun of me, but I had to look up the number. It's three X's and a V. <laughs> you know, I shared some questions to ponder ahead of time, and I'll share my answers first just to get things moving and going. Um, the first question I, I had proposed to the group was think of a challenging experience you've had as a biofield tuning practitioner and how you overcame it. The second question, how do you think your experience would be different if you viewed the challenge as a sign you were on the right track? And the third question is, how did this experience create more capability and more confidence in you? And so as you share, there's no need to answer all of those questions, but I just thought it might be nice food for thought as, as we're pondering the experience. So I'll share my experience first. Um, and I did post this in the Facebook group, but I'll just elaborate on it um, while we're here. Um, when I was a new practitioner, I had a client, a male client who was in his 60s, and he was rather skeptical about receiving biofield tuning. His wife actually sent him. And, um, and during one of his sessions, I think this might've been like the first or second session, um, was working in the field. And I can't remember exactly where I was, but I remember the response very vivid, vividly that he had, he was, um, he began to shake. And it was something that was sort of beyond his control and him being a skeptic, you know, this, this sort of scared him a little bit. So, um, you know, in our training, we learned to hold the banks of the river. And, and this wasn't necessarily the part that, that, instilled a little bit of fear or doubt in me. Um, while he was shaking during the session, I continued to ground and breathe. And I let him know that this is normal. This is part of the process. It's his body's way of releasing and um, something shifting. And so this is, this is good that this energy is moving. Um, what was the challenge for me was he continued to shake, even though, um, you know, we closed the session I did some extra grounding with him. He continued um, the shaking. And so the challenging part for me was to let him go. Um, part of me really wanted to, to fix him then and there. Um, and part of me was thinking, well, if he's shaking now and after the session, this is gonna go on forever, which was a completely irrational <laughs> um, way of thinking, but that is what came to my mind. So um, I think, I was able to overcome that at that time because I actually had my own experience with this uh, receiving as a client, um, shaking on the table when Eileen was working on me one time and, um, and I went home still shaking. And it wasn't until I got home and released some big emotion that I stopped. And she told me that that would happen. And that was really helpful for me to hear that um, from her. So I let him know that um, that this this did happen to me before, um, and that we can just trust that um, whatever's moving will move through um, for him to do his best to allow anything that arises to trust the process. And in doing that, you know it it reaffirmed for me just that memory reaffirmed that you know this is part of the process, and I can trust myself and I can trust this process. Um, I checked in with him the next day. And he said that he was still shaking when he got home and he did let out some emotion and he swung on his porch swing and then he, the shaking eventually stopped. 
Um, he came back for more sessions. He was more energized and he was definitely more open um, and willing to, to feel his emotions and the things that came up for him. So that reaffirmed uh, the process for me and, and created more capability uh, for me that I knew I could, I could not only experience that and experience the discomfort that that situ that discomfort that that situation brought for me, um, but that I was also capable of facilitating transformation for somebody else. And um, I think that that was a building block of confidence for me. And I felt like I could handle um, going forward intense shifts and just continue to guide people through that process. So that's me, that's my experience. I'd love to hear from someone else, Elizabeth. Hello, Jillian. Um, Hi. That's a, lo a lovely, a lovely story, and it is so uh, rewarding as a biofield tuner to have those experiences because it does bolster your confidence that what you're doing is really valuable, and you, that you can really help people uh, in in uh, in being more balanced. Um, uh, my, my little share is, uh, well, I've noticed that COVID's created, like we all have uh, noticed this, a lot of isolation and mental health challenges for so many people. Uh, I had a woman in who had almost no flow in her lower legs. So it wasn't surprising when the pendulum told me to work off her left foot. Uh, grounding her was super hard, but there was way more mystery in the crown. I discovered when I went there an expanse of light that seemed to want to draw my tuning fork out into the galaxy and beyond. It was as if uh, she had this huge bright empty space and no sun star and I found this peculiar uh, but there was no information I could glean from this so I really wasn't sure what to do. So I asked my client to help me connect her two battery terminals through three huge releasing breaths, and this seemed to work. All I knew about her prior to this session was that uh, she suffered from bipolar and that she, she was a person who chose not to take any drugs uh, for this. She found other means to, to deal with, with her uh, issue. Um, so now back to the left foot. Um, there were stories in her timeline of isolation and loneliness from growing up on a farm in Australia. There was sadness around her brother leaving for university. There's repeated stories of abandonment in relationships, which all led up to that, which was holding her back, the fear of abandonment. And as I dropped into her left foot, it twitched and she was aware of this too. And there was release and laughter and laughter is always great in a session. It helps uh, move energy and the columning uh, was quite easy. And I finished the session. She told me she was relaxed. She felt brighter and she had a funny tingly sensation in, in her legs. Um, so after a good glass of water had settled, she left and the next day she called to say she felt like she had more energy and thanks so much. And while all this is positive, um, I, I still wonder to this day about her crown chakra 
and what I could have done differently in addressing this area, the area that holds such great mystery in its sheer silence. So, so have you gotten any insight around that since then? No, I have not. Uh, and, but, but it, I mean, I guess my challenge was connecting her and, and, um, just coming up with the idea that breath is so important uh, and it connects us in all our different areas. That helped connect her enough that I knew there was flow to, to be able to proceed with the treatment. And then she had some benefits, that's good. But I, I wonder, okay, now she wants to come back and she's told her friends about this. And I mean, she's she's but I'm wondering well how do I address this a very unusual finding and I'm, I'm wondering if anyone else has experienced uh, this and um, yeah I'd love to hear from others and that's um, that's just that's interesting that um, and and also not surprising that there's still benefit from the session that she was still able to um, that the session was still able to be conducted because of, I think your intention was so strong. I haven't really had that experience, but I have had someone who's super connected to the ethers and to the energy from above. And what, what seemed right and what we did for her was to um, put her in charge of how much comes in um, because she was getting so much input and it was not in balance with what she needed for her life just to live on the planet. But I don't, I haven't had any experience like that where there was no chakra. Anybody else? Maybe as, um, as we all give it a little bit more thought, um, something might arise, um, you know, an aha might come up. So we'll just keep Keep things open for that, Elizabeth. But um, I'd be interested to, to hear she comes back for a session and what you notice in those subsequent sessions with that. Okay, does anybody else wanna share a, a challenge that they have overcome or a challenge that you're, that you're overcoming <laughs> at the moment? Hi, this is Joyce. Hey Joyce, so one of one of the experiences that I had was a male and he was, I was getting all this information from his field and I'm usually pretty, like I don't try to generate anything. It just comes through the information. And he was just like, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. Like every single thing I said. And so at the end of the session, it just, there was a lot of loss and grief. And so it occurred to me that it was, he needed more than biofield tuning. He needed, he needed to address the emotional issues on this plane first and maybe foremost. And, um, and I, I said something to him and he goes, well, I thought I had more stuff on the other side. And I was like, yeah, you do. But, and I referred him to mental health care. Um, and so, but I've thought about him a lot lately for a lot of reasons. And I, I wondered if maybe it is time to reach back out to him 
like it made me second guess a lot of things in the moment, but I did trust that um, that it was beneficial to him and he needed more than I could do at that time. That's all because my dog's barking. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Joyce. I think, I think that that is... Um, that can be where practitioners run into a snag is when they're doing a session um, with someone who's giving them a lot of notes, right? Not feeling anything, not, not recalling the memories or just not resonating. Um, I want to know if anybody else on this call has experienced something like that and, um, and what they, what, I mean, what are some of the things that you either believed about the session that you thought about yourself or believed about yourself as a practitioner that, um, that got you through and kept, um, kept you moving in the direction. Yeah, Estella. Yeah, so when I encounter somebody like that, I'm such a newbie at all this, I've only been doing this for a couple of years, but when I encounter somebody who's in that space of, no, I'm just really blank and fine and that's not accurate and I can't relate. And, then I realized that what I just need to do is pull back and simply allow whatever is happening to happen and not ask questions. It's more, it more becomes meeting the client at the stage that they're at, wherever they are, and then allowing for whatever to happen to happen and not having to explain. It's like I have to get out of my own head about finding meaning and everything, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And yeah, I'm sure you show up completely differently when you just pull back and allow the session to happen and ask questions. You're more coming from a place of um, curiosity rather than trying to make something happen, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And not really necessarily even seeking meaning, uh, it being okay that there's not something deeper for this particular client, you know? And yeah. Not not questioning my own sense of self-worth or am I capable of doing this? You know, this didn't go anywhere and that kind of thing. I'm more often surprised though, when a few days later, something comes up for that individual, you know, that perhaps may not have come up before and then being able to connect the dots for them possibly when I check in with them, you know? Yeah. I, I've noticed the same thing um, with clients who, who either don't notice anything during the session or, um, or notice very little. I keep in mind that, you know, the, the session sort of continues after, after they see you, there's a, there's a time of processing and integration. And so one of the things that can happen is that um, they can start to notice shifts um, afterwards. I was actually one of those clients who, who didn't notice anything during the session. Um, uh, Eileen, I had the pleasure of seeing Eileen as a client and the first few times that I did see her, um, I mean, she would point out things in my field that totally resonated, but I didn't feel anything in my body. I didn't, you know, notice anything um, physically or energetically happening, but it was after the session that I started to notice behavior changes in myself and my reaction to stress was um, quite different. It frankly wasn't yeah. my experience. My experience was like, I felt different things in my body. I, I had, I chose Chan, Shannon Brooks because she was so far away when I first did biofield. And um, 
I live in Illinois. She's in Texas. I'm like, cool, this will be great. <laughs> and, and I ended up feeling in my body the wrapping the cocoon and I had no idea what it was. I just felt these prickles on either side of my body, back and forth, back and forth. And I didn't know what she was doing. And I said, okay, I'm feeling these prickles in my body, like my ankle and then my knee and then my hip and then what is this? And I didn't mention it until it went back down my body and I thought there's something peculiar going on here. And uh, she said, well, we call that wrapping the cocoon. <laughs> I'm like, get out, you're in Texas. That's crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, thank yeah, you so totally. much for, for being here and sharing that with us. Thanks for having this. Yeah. All right. Who else has had um, an overcoming, who has had a challenging experience that they overcame or, um, or you're, you're currently overcoming? Yeah, go ahead, Bobby. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for uh, doing this, Jillian. Um, I'll speak on, um, you know, when I first started in biofield tuning, this was a, a whole new world for me. Um, so when emotion arose, when emotion came on the table, when, um, when, you know, when a woman was on the table and you're working with her and she starts crying and that came up, right? And like, that was something completely foreign and strange. And, you know, um, I was like, you're, you're doing the work and then you're kind of causing that in a way. So it was really, uh, really pulling, pulling back and kind of reflecting back on, uh, on, uh, what, what I've learned as, a you know, growing up in my family as a man with, with, uh, my mother and sister, when you'd see them cry, right. Um, you don't like seeing that. Um, so it was just kind of interesting. It just brought me back to, to those, um, moments of somewhat like protection, but also, uh, letting go of that and letting the emotion run through because that was part of the process, right? But it was such a learning experience. Um, and, you know, now it's like you, you see the crying, you have tissues next to the table, you're just, you go with it. <laughs> it it's, it's part of the process, right? Yeah, I go with tissues everywhere uh, I tune. Um, so it's interesting, but it's definitely, uh, that was challenging. And um, every now and then it still hits me, you know, especially if a big emotion arises, you know, like you want to console them, um, you know, whoever it is, you know, male, female. Um, but yeah, the, when the emotion arises, it's pretty big. We all know that. Yeah, 100%. And I, that need to, that, or that desire to console it, that's just part of being human, right? <laughs> We're compassionate and we, um, you know, we don't want to see others in pain, but yeah, as a, as a practitioner, it's important to continue to hold that space and, um, and to just, like you said, let go of that need or desire to want to protect i'm curious bobby how um how that process for you in you know you hold that space in your sessions does that show up anywhere else in your life like being able to let go of the need to protect or um or console and just like allowing the people around you to be be what they are in that moment have you noticed that yeah yeah definitely i'm letting letting um it's like letting letting it work out in itself, right? Um, and understanding that um, it needs to move through. So yeah, yeah, definitely just allowing allowing that process to happen um, for 
anyone that you might see that you might feel like, you know, family, friends, that kind of thing. But at the same time, providing, providing that space as a family friend or, or, or loved one for them when they need it. Right. So it's like a different, like you're holding space in a different way because of what you know as a practitioner and what you know uh, doing this, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that I've noticed in my own life and practices is how I learn how to show up and cultivate my, mm, I don't know what, what to call it, but my, um, hmm, what is it? You know, I guess facial awareness, you know, and holding space is how I, how I end up showing up in my life. Um, and I've heard that from other practitioners too. So I was curious about that. Yeah. And then you get, you get that, um, you know, you get the patterns, right? The patterns of, um, or it's all, what, what did I, I spoke about it. Like, or you get experience working with individuals and then you get, uh, more of those individuals that come through with these issues. And so then more emotion ends <laughs> because it's like you, you get the, it's like the universe knows that you have the experience to handle this or you have the experience to work with this kind of thing. So then more people come through your way with maybe the same kind of emotion that, are, that's, uh, that, um, that your experience clearing in a way or, or something like that. It's just an interesting, um, it's like a bat signal that the frequency is out in the air and people know. I love that, that signal. Yes. Some other questions that I have that maybe we can, um, if nothing's coming to mind, I wanna know, how has receiving biofield tuning sessions for yourself helped you to solve problems? Um, so I said I would just listen, but this is Andrea here. <laughs> oh, Andrea, thanks. You saved but everybody I, else. <laughs> I Whenever that question comes up, I mean, well, okay. So, so what you're just talking about, you know, when someone's having an issue or I mean an issue, crying or showing emotion, you know, I took a life coaching course and one of the cornerstones is to hold someone creative resourceful and whole so if you think of those three words you know it kind of puts you at a place of just holding but the biofield tuning experience i had was absolutely life-changing the first one so and then i've been tuned probably a hundred times since then um can everyone still hear me yeah, we can hear you. Okay. I want okay. you to tell us about that life-changing experience. The life-changing <laughs> one? Okay, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> I was in the dark night of a soul type place, very, very, you know, it was dark for me at that time. And um, uh, s someone recommended this person and I, I had no idea. I didn't even, when I skimmed her site, you know, she's a shaman and a massage therapist by uh, before bio she became a biofield tuning professional. So I, you know, I didn't go in asking for just a tuning. I just went in like going, okay, this is kind of, I'm sick of talk therapy and all these other therapies. So I just went in like saying, okay, I can't, nothing, what bad could happen? You know, what could happen that could go wrong? And um, at the end of the tuning, when I sat up, I was like, I kind of looked at her and I'm like, what did you just do to me? And you have to understand, she has this bland, curly hair and these sparkly blue eyes. And she looks like an angel standing there. 
I mean, you can see her field around her all the time. It's like a beautiful white light, yellowy white, sparkly light. And um, this was a while, a couple of years ago, and I'm very good friends with her. So I see her all the time and she still has that. Like, that's how she is. Anyway, and she ended up just like, it saved my life. Like I sat up and I was like, wait a minute, the whole world is off my shoulders. Like it felt light. And I got up and I was like, am I stepping on the earth? I was like literally floating. Like I, and she's like, now be careful driving because you know, you know, it's, you're, you're real visible. People are drawn. And, and then it just went from there. Like I just, and she said in that first session, you know, she, she has guides and she said, you're going to have these forks in your hands. And I was like, yeah, what are those things? You know? <laughs> and she's like, they're tuning forks. I'm like, like a guitar or a piano. She's like, yep. I mean, I had no, nothing, nothing. I had no, no reference before I went in and that's what happened to me. And I share that. And of course, before you knew it, I had the forks in my hand and was signed up and you know, and here I am with, I just launched a website last week. Hallelujah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's such like a testament to, you know, how this work, um, no matter really what kind of conscious awareness we have around, around our problems, how like receiving, receiving just one session can take you out of um, you know, a cycle of being stuck, um, like you said, carrying the, the weight on your shoulders to really opening up new possibilities and new opportunities. Um, and it's, it's beautiful and it's powerful. And um, I, I notice that with myself when I'm receiving sessions is if I'm, if I'm stuck in a certain mind frame um, or I'm just getting the same result over and over and over again. If I receive a biofield tuning session, you know, we're going through sort of the, I'm going to call it for lack of a better word, the muck in my field. And then when we get to that point where the energy is dropping in to my chakra, um, to my center, and it's integrating and then moving on to column, that's when I'm able to see things differently. That's when, um, my, um, my tunnel vision goes into more of, of a periphery view of, of the world and, and just an experience where I can say, oh, there's this option over here that I haven't thought about or considered before. Um, so I'm wondering if anybody else has had an experience like that, or if that's what you notice with your clients, um, and if you'd like to share that. Lori Rhodes, do you have anything you want to add? Hi, everyone. So nice to be hey. here and listen to all this. It's just uh, amazing to share in your experiences and, and how you're doing. And uh, it's just fabulous. It is interesting. Um, yeah, what everybody has been saying, you know, all of these human perspectives, when we're in session, all these kind of human desires, you know, people have brought forward the desire to protect, the desire to control or to console, uh, also control a little bit, I guess, uh, the desire to fix a little, uh, the desire for validation, all of these things kind of come up. But I think ultimately, um, you know, and many of you have mentioned just allowing the process to happen and trust in the process 
And then by some of your experiences, just by hearing that, well, I went in knowing nothing, you know, potentially even after a session, not even noticing, you know, what was going on in my body, but then experienced, you know, these amazing changes. And, you know, I love to cook and I love to, um, yeah, kind of work with recipes and different ingredients. And I always think of each one of us kind of as a, a different recipe. And no matter what, if I, uh, you know, sometimes it, 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 you, you need to, you add something to a recipe and it's like, oh, I just added some salt and kind of got a little too salty. I'm going to have to add a little something else. You know, it's all these layers kind of, or sometimes you add the absolute perfect ingredient into your soup or into what you're cooking. And it, it's like, mm, that's it. And that's how sometimes after a first session, you have changed the recipe just enough that for that moment, that person can go and, and really experience some profound changes. And other times you kind of stir the pot right? And they don't, they don't know what's happening. And there may be other, you know, that's when they may need other um, individuals to help. Someone was mentioning mental health or having the team or just other sessions to kind of move through these layers. But always know that you're changing the recipe no matter what. And if we have the intention uh, for always the best outcomes or just the most coherent and ease of flow for each person, I think that we always hold um, the resonance for that, you know, kind of a, just the perfect kind of recipe to happen. And it is up to the individual, you know, to, to work. It's, it's really an empowerment of the individual to then go and notice or to make changes or to expand that awareness. Like Jillian was saying, it's kind of like blinders on a horse, a uh, horse that's had, you know, blinders on and you open those up and you see that periphery. It's just a much more expansive view. And I also always remember with clients that are, that may not experience anything or may not saying it, say anything, they ended up there. They're on the table. That's all, that's courageous, right? If, especially if they are, um, you know, they, there's a little bit of a challenge being vulnerable. Wow. They, they got there, they drove there, they made the appointment, they actually took that step. And I really honor and respect that. And I let them know. I always let each person know, um, I call it beholding the meadow. It's like, I'm so grateful, right? That you made this decision for yourself, that you chose this. That's amazing. That in itself is life-changing. So, but thank you so all so much for sharing. It's just been wonderful listening. Thank you, Lori. I love your analogies. I wrote down the changing the recipe just enough. And I hope others wrote that down too, because that's, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Estella, did you want to say something? Yeah, I wanted to okay, mention perfect. that my, can I, can I say something? <laughs> of course. I wanted to mention that um, for me, one of my greatest challenges is being able to it, uh, get rid of my analytical mind. Like things must be done this way. And this, this is what, and, and feeling comfortable with not knowing completely and trusting my intuitive sense about something. There's been so many times when that has happened and I've just simply grounded hollow bone. I have a martial arts background. So the hollow bone was really, really, really um, easy for me to understand. And when I, when I just sink in to the earth and I get a feel for what's happening in me and going with wherever I think I need to be, do you know what I mean? And eliminate my mind 
my analytical mind about the matter. Uh, this is what I think should happen, or this is what I expect will happen, and blah, 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 all that nonsense. Once I go to that space of uh, allowance, then amazing things happen, and the client all of a sudden is crying, or the client is saying, oh my gosh, I had this memory about this, this, and this, and the client, and I haven't thought about that in forever, and, but it's, it's having the comfort level of being in that space of not knowing uh, with my mind. Does anybody have that experience where you're just like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm tapping into here. <laughs> what the heck is this? But then going with it anyway. Jillian? Yes, go ahead, Iris. Hi. Okay. I, I, hi there. I didn't know if I was pressing the right button. Well, um, this might help for, for the gal who was just speaking, and it's something I was going to share. So get out in the field and hit a place that's, you know, a little noisy or whatnot, or not moving. And then I can get a, a picture. This is kind of funny because it, it was this gal that I know. So it was around the early teens and I come to this spot and it's kind of sticky. And I get this picture of her behind bars, like, like in jail, you know, and I'm thinking, this is really weird. Be and it was really, it was very vivid, you know. And so I think that asking questions is always a kind of safe place to go, rather than blurting out, like, I see you in jail, <laughs> you know, or wait. So I said to her, um, this seems a little strange. And I always tell people, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it, it's fine. Um, you know, sometimes um, things will fit together later. But anyway, she says, what is it? I said, well, this is really strange. Were you ever, I, I feel funny asking you this, were you ever in jail? And she goes, oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, you were? And I guess it was one of these teenage, um, you know, stealing lipstick things or whatever. But it was quite profound uh, because they actually, you know, got arrested and they took them in and they put them in, like in jail behind bars. So I just learned that it, who knows what we're going to find out there. And just to bring it to the person tenderly, so to speak, because um, we really don't know the depths of what those experiences have um, brought to this person's life. And so, yes, it's definitely great to clear it. And even with their consciousness, and then sometimes I notice that a clearing will only happen if they make some type of affirmation about that situation. Thank you so much. I, yeah, I love that. Asking questions is always always a good place to go. I think it's um, anytime you make declarative statements or, you know, that it, it doesn't, it doesn't keep things open, right? Mm -hmm. For the client to really consider and ponder and um, be able to check in with themselves and, and ask themselves. And um, I think one of the themes that I'm hearing too is um, probably well, there's two themes. One that Lori, you already mentioned is that that desire to control or fix or um, or console. Um, that that's the theme. And then the other theme is um, just trusting oneself as a practitioner. 
love to hear from you guys more about how, what the process for you has been like for developing self-trust and trusting yourself in this process and as a practitioner. And I see Andrew there. Andrew, do you have anything you want to add? Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, how have I built my own sense of trust in my ability as a practitioner? Um, doing it enough and getting out of my own way and kind of doing, I do a disclaimer, not a disclaimer, but before I start sessions, I'm like, hey, I get a ton of information. Hopefully a lot of it will place itself or it will after the fact, but some of it may not and that's okay. And, and this is about the energy moving versus my accuracy. And I just feel like that just cleans it up a lot more for people. And, um, but I think it's a lot of just tr trusting what comes in because some of it, some of it's really out there, um, as we all probably have had the experience, as Iris just identified, where you're like, wow, I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. And I think the more that we open up as practitioners, we also create more space for information to come in. Because sometimes I think we go in and we're like, well, I'm only allowed to find this in this part of the field, and this is the timeline. And I think when we open up more, I mean, we want to work with that in a in, in a way of integrity with people, but there's a lot of information that shows up on lots of different levels. Um, particularly like when ancestors show up or guides or animals or whatever, whatever it is. Um, there's just a lot that's there. Um, and, and I think over time, I've just learned to get out of the way and trust it. And, and more often than not, it's okay. I, I, I can't remember having an experience where it's backfired or I wasn't able to work with that information in a way that it was supportive for the, the client. Yeah, I just wanted to just add something. I think managing our clients' expectations uh, has also jumped to, to my mind too. And I remember a woman who came in and she having lost her husband 11 years ago. And so there was sort of that, well, are we going to, you know, get information on that? So I'd have to say, whatever we're going to get out of this session is what we are to get out of this session today. It may or may not be that today. It, 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 that may be dressed in another session. We don't know. We need to go with, with what, with what comes up. So not only saying that for my own um, benefit, but for the benefit of the client too. I learned this by a client being disappointed. I thought we were gonna deal with this loss and you know, and I'm like, well, really the, the message today was about how you take on responsibility in your life that's causing you so much stress. And this is creating the back pain and now you're feeling better. That's what we dress today. Maybe we'll dress that issue another day. And, and to actually feel that that's okay, that you didn't address that big elephant in the room, because, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. in the field, you're, you're not to go there that day for whatever reason. I've had those and I go, oh, okay, well, I see it here, but I'm not to go there. And, and so I follow my guide of the session. There's still benefits from the session, but you know, and, and to let that be okay as a practitioner that you didn't, you know, solve the big elephant or deal with it or. Yeah, that's perfect, Elizabeth. Thank you. And thank you, Andrew, as well. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been working in someone's field and, you know, we get through the session and they're like, I'm really surprised that this didn't come up because it was such a big deal. 
um, to me. And, and it's so easy as a practitioner to go into self-doubt and to go into, well, I must not, if I didn't pick that up, that I must be doing something wrong. But then to, to counter that and to, to challenge that thought, um, because it's just not true. It's exactly what you said, Elizabeth. It's, it's, that's not what needed to come up at the time. Yeah, go ahead, Lori. Um, yeah, Elizabeth, I love that. And thank you, Jillian. You know, I use a lot of metaphors with clients um, so that they just have a, you know, their mind has a different way potentially of looking at it and getting it. And sometimes when I've had that experience um, where someone has that expectation or, um, you know, just kind of what you described, I sort of, I, I say, well, it's kind of like having a stack of books. Let's say you have a stack of books that's, you know, 15 books high. And the one that you're wanting to read is the second one up. But if you were to pull that one out, the whole stack is going to fall over. It's going to be a mess. And so you kind of have to take some of those books off first, off of the top, right, to get to that one that's sitting second from the bottom. And somehow that eases the personality. They kind of can understand that and they go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I said, so today we took off the, you know, potentially we might have, you know, created some space by perhaps taking those first two books off and we're just working our way through, right? And who knows if you're going to reshuffle the books, if, you know, you come and see me again and we work together, but I sort of offer something like that and it seems to help sometimes. <laughs> Another beautiful analogy. Thank you. And it's really helpful to, um, to teach the client in that way with, with analogies so that they can understand what it is. All right. Um, I just wanted to say this is Joyce, but I loved all three of those <laughs> inputs on that. I mean, I have started at the beginning of my sessions to ask them for their intention, like kind of framing it really in a verbal positive light, like for them to set the intention for what they want going forward. But I love what was said. I really do. Um, but giving them the power to um, move forward no matter what shows up. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Joyce. Does anybody else have anything they want to add? Iris. Yeah, I, I just want to um, just, uh, well, just honor Andrew for what he did to help me. You were talking about how biofield tuning impacted, you know, our lives personally. And because of his bravery, I would say, when he tuned me, you know, when we had to have the three tunings before we went to um, to the practitioner training, I, I, what he opened up for me was just amazing to realize how much comes through our ancestors. And that can be a very um, kind of maybe, you know, like woo-woo or something um, place for people. And there was other things that he shared and um, it, it changed my life. It changed my perspective on things. And so I just wanna give him some honor for that. And um, it also encouraged me to follow in his footsteps, so to speak, because I will get these things and I reflect back on that and say, wow, this might sound a little out there, but um, I know how much it helped me. So. I will just say it and we'll just trust it'll 
if it fits, it's going to be effective. Thank you, Iris. Yeah, it, Andrew, is there anything you want to add to that? Well, thank you, Iris. That's super awfully sweet of you. And um, I'm honored to show up for you. I think that the thing that I've kind of been aware of with folks is that, you know, when we find these pockets in our field, you know, that's stuff that's happened to us personally. And it, it obviously we're going to, you know, feel it like it, it happened to us, right? We were there. But when they're connected to the bigger patterns in our lineage, you know, I, I try to frame it as, yes, that happened to you. And yes, it had an emotional response. But I think a, a way to connect with a, a response of compassion within your lineage is to notice that it's a much bigger pattern, right? And not everything, but I think a lot of what shows up in the field has a, a ripple effect that's much bigger than our personal experience. And I'm just kind of really feel like that's a really good way to support people in reframing the experience into a, a place of compassion, right? Because we kind of stir up all this muckety muck and then it's like, okay, well, <laughs> what do you do with that? How are you going to grow flowers in that? And, um, and I think that's an important thing to, to make sure that we, we f close up the loop for people in the work. I had this gal the other day, it was a distance tuning, and uh, what showed up was the solar plexus and the area of powerlessness on the left side, female side. And, and it's come up before many times because that's been the story of women throughout the ages in most cultures and situations, powerlessness, and seems to bring great relief to people to know, you know, like Eileen says, it's just not me and mine. So when we, you know, take a step out there on the other side of their field, I think it really is very empowering to people to know that um, it's, this isn't just their story. And it also brings a lot of, uh, oh, healing and compassion to them for their at least the ancestors they've known, you know, to realize that this is a familial pattern. And I think that brings a lot of healing there. Yeah, thank you both. Thank you, Andrew and Iris for sharing that. I think, I think you're both absolutely dead on, 100% um, on the mark that when we share these things with our clients, even though it may seem a little bit out there, it can really take the weight off for them and to, to um, they can start to relinquish the responsibility um, of, of that pressure and that weight. Um, so, so speak it when it comes through, yes. Joyce, do you have something you wanna add? Oh, that was just such a great articulation, Andrew. Thank you so much um, of my experience and uh, just, Relief for the client, absolutely. But what I've been noticing a lot lately is the ancestors themselves being so grateful that this person showed up for the healing because I really believe and tell them they're healing up and down their lineage. Um, and I've seen it happen. I've tuned a mother-daughter. I tuned the daughter for years, a couple years. And then the mother came to me for three sessions and then they compared notes and it was wild the things that were healed in both of them from the daughter getting tuned. 
So I just, um, and that's just a tangible living relative. And so I just make sure, just to add on to the theme of what was just spoken about by the last two people, um, exactly. I'm not trying to, uh, it just, that's been my experience is the healing goes up and down the lineage. I make it clear that it's that person's session, that the ancestors don't get to have all the healing, <laughs> but that they're included too. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Joyce. All right, so any last thoughts? Um, Bobby, I saw you unmuted at one point. I don't know if you still have that thought. Um, I think that thought was just more um, around letting go, right? Like that's for the client and for for the the, the tuner on both ends. It's like the the eventually coming to that point of letting go, whether of what comes into the session, um, and getting to that point. Um, I now I don't. It's like I've gone to the point where I don't really care what comes up in the session as much as I used to care, and I just find out what comes in the session. I don't know if that makes sense, but truly just getting out of your own way, whether you're the client or where you're the tuner and letting go and, and seeing what happens and letting go of the expectations of what you want to happen. Thank you. Yes, 100%. I think for me in my practice, what I noticed was as soon as I, as soon as I did let go, um, you know, I used to get kind of like stage fright before, before sessions. And I think that was my, like putting pressure on myself to want to fix, to want to heal, to want to, you know, make something happen, even though I, I understood it rationally, that that's not what, um, what I was there to do. There was still something, you know, subconsciously running where I wanted to, yeah, I don't know what it was, maybe prove myself or, or just really, again, fix somebody. <laughs> and when I, when I finally embodied that idea of that, you know, I'm not the healer, they are the healer. I'm facilitating the healing. I'm the guide. I'm the neutral witness and observer. And I really embodied that. Um, the stage fright completely gone. Um, nerves were gone. And I was able to, to be really curious in the session. And, and even after the session, if, you know, I check in and they, they had something um, come up after the session, curiosity was the the main player. And um, by being curious, I was able to be really open to whatever came up. And my, uh, my sentence senses were um, more, more refined and pronounced. And, um, and the clients um, had better outcomes, I noticed too. So it really does uh, make a difference the way you show up to a session, whether you're, you're stepping in as, um, as a healer, or you're stepping in as a facilitator or a guide or technician all right thank you all so much joyce andrea andrew bobby elizabeth thank you iris Lori. thank you yeah um get tuned <laughs> i want to just send that reminder to um make sure you're getting tuned tuned up um because when it comes to overcoming anything as we can see that definitely helps. So take note of, of who's on this call, who's actively practicing and learning and um, reach out to one another if you want to. Um, let's really solidify this community and support one another to um, go out there in the world, tell people what you do and um, 
just spread the spread the love around the world. Um, mark your calendars for April 28th at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's a Wednesday. We'll do another call then. Topic to be determined. Wednesday, April 28th. I hope you're all here. This has been really, really fabulous um, talking with you all and hearing from each of you. So I just want to thank you and extend gratitude to you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Thank Goodbye. you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. If you would like to grow a thriving practice, I'm here as your coach. Check out my program at jillianfaldmo.com and schedule your free consultation today.